This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. For more stories or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents The Gathering Storm, Chapter 16, by Django Wexler. Raoul and Tomek walked side by side, heading nowhere in particular. Rain poured down, drumming on the awnings of shops along the street, lines of splashes marching across the puddles that formed between the cobblestones. The drops bent away above the pair, leaving a dry space around them and a curtain of extra-thick rain beyond. When it was coming down this hard, it left them in their own tiny world, isolated from everything beyond by a curtain of rushing, foaming water. Mist rose from ricochets and coiled around their boots. I wasn't sure you'd come. After the euphoria had worn off, he'd pulled away from Ral, huddled in on himself in a way that made Ral's throat go thick. Ral wanted to take his hand, but didn't. Not, Not yet. yet. Tomek's glasses were beaded with raindrops. Well, I wasn't going to. Not at first. What changed your mind? I... <sighs> Do you want the truth? Tomek, arms crossed, gave a jerky nod. I want to say I was worried about you. But I know you can take care of yourself. Most of the time, anyway. Tomek smiled very slightly, and Raoul felt himself relax a little. I know you. I know how much you care about your work with Tessa, what it means to you. I thought, if you were willing to go against her on this, to risk everything, then it's probably pretty damn important. More important than working on your machine? Eh, we're nearly done. All that's left is to actually build the thing, and I can only do so much. I just get... involved. I know you, too. You don't. Not really. There are parts of my life that I just... don't talk about. Because they didn't happen on Ravnica? Has anyone ever told you you're too clever for your own good? Tomek smiled. You? Repeatedly? <laughs> yeah. Because I wasn't living on Ravnica. And... Some of the things that happened to me made it hard for me to trust people. To see them as anything but tools. Tessa's like that. She's not a bad person, Rao. But she was raised in this nightmare, and she can't escape. You and I... We don't have to be that way. Not to each other. I... I want something different. Like actually caring about someone? Like that. Well... Tomek slipped his hand into Raoul's and bumped against his shoulder. I don't know if you're there yet, but you're learning.
In Raoul's dream, he leaned over the desk, adding the finishing touches. Building the thing he wanted hadn't been easy, and he already had ideas for improving it. The power storage cells were heavy and awkward, and didn't hold nearly enough energy in their complicated network of metal and ceramic as he would have liked. At least he'd managed to get away from liquid storage. Carrying around a couple of gallons of acid on my back. Ugh, now there's a recipe for disaster. In some other place, in some other plane, there might be better materials to be found. He had a vision of a crystal lattice and spinning coils, but finding something with the right properties had thus far proved impossible. Even so, he looked down at his creation and smiled, closing the last compartment on one side. Gingerly, he picked it up and slid his arms through the straps, letting the weight of the thing settle on his back. A pair of gloves hung from it from long, insulated cords, and he slipped them on, flexing his fingers and feeling the faintest crackle of energy. It needed to be charged, of course, but even empty, the accumulator gave him a feeling of power. The energy of Rao's magic came from the storms that raged overhead, and so his strength had always waxed and waned as unpredictably as the weather. Not anymore. Now he would carry his own storm, in leather, ceramic, and steel. Ingenious. You have learned a great deal since we last spoke, my friend. Raoul looked up, alarmed. The front door was locked, he knew for certain, and so was the door to his office. Nonetheless, it now stood open, and an older man looked around the threshold. He was tall, gray-haired, impeccably well-dressed in clothes of a cut that somehow suggested he was from elsewhere. Though it had now been a decade since they'd last spoken, Raoul could hardly forget him. Hello, Bolus. Zarek. May I come in? Sure. Doors and locks don't appear to mean much to you. Ah, but politeness has a power greater than any padlock. Bolas stepped into the office. He looked around approvingly at the blueprints pinned to the wall, the desk cluttered with tools and parts. You've been busy. I do my best. And your best is quite extraordinary. Stranded here without a penny to your name, bleeding out in an alley, and within ten years, here you are master of a tidy little empire with a dozen inventors bowing and scraping for the privilege of assisting you. You didn't even have to kill very many people to do it. Bolas grinned, his teeth white and very slightly sharp. Not that that would necessarily be a drawback, of course. Wait, did you know? Back in Torvna, did you know what I was? That you were a planeswalker? He shrugged. Let us say I suspected. Planeswalkers are exceedingly rare, and they cannot be taught to use their spark. It must ignite on its own or not at all, which often entails a certain amount of trauma. So you set me up. I did nothing of the kind. I gave you what you wanted, did I not? Bolus's grin widened. It's hardly my fault that it went wrong. Young passions, you know. <laughs> Why? 
You're a planeswalker too, or you wouldn't be standing here. So why bother having me shake down those poor bastards for coppers? It was never about them. It was always about you. As I said, planeswalkers are rare. When I think someone has potential, I do my best to, uh, encourage them and to place them in my debt to facilitate our later collaboration. I think my debts to you are paid. Raoul stepped around the desk. <laughs> On the contrary. Do you think you would have accomplished this, any of this, without my help? Your help nearly got me killed. I pushed you to find out what you were truly capable of, and you have. Isn't that worth something? Haven't I done you a favor? Ralph stared at the man with his sharp-toothed smile. Very slowly, he nodded. I suppose you could put it that way. Then we agree that you owe me, and I've come to collect Ralph Zarek. Join me, and we will accomplish wonders, you and I. Let me tell you what you taught me. Loyalty is for fools. Trust is for suckers. And allies are there to be used until they're no longer useful. He shrugged, settling the weight of the pack. So thank you for the lesson. But I won't be repaying whatever debt you think I owe. Regrettable. Bolus's smile had disappeared. Your position here. You're going to threaten to take everything I've built? Go ahead. I'm done with it. I've got this. Ral patted his backpack, then touched the side of his head. And what's in here? That's all I need in the end. Don't imagine you can escape me, Zarek. Anywhere you can go, I can follow. I don't need to escape. I just need to stay one step ahead. He focused his mind. Planeswalking was just like falling once you learned the trick of it. Among the myriad worlds, he directed his mind's eye to a familiar one. Time, Time to, go to go home. home. To Ravnica, but not to Toverna. No more no wasting my time in the boondocks. The 10th district was the heart of the city plain, and that was where he had to be. How precisely he would fit in, he didn't yet know, but he was no longer worried. With his talents and his power, there would always be a place for him. And if someone's already in that place, well, that's just too bad for them. Vraska stared at her throne. It had felt good in the moment. Righteous, even. The elves whose contorted, petrified bodies comprised the gruesome chair had been her enemies, and they'd spent decades pushing down anyone in the Golgari who wasn't one of them. Gorgons and Kral alike had suffered under the Devkaran boot, and each screaming prisoner dragged to the throne and frozen in place with a wave of Vraska's power was a tiny measure of revenge. When it was finished, she promised herself she'd do better. And what have I accomplished? An ancient and beautiful crawl city reduced to rubble. Thousands of Golgari dead. All for nothing. All for Bolas. 
Zedek. The albino crawl should never have been on the battlefield, but he'd insisted, and she'd been too soft-hearted to refuse. As a result, she'd had to watch, helpless, as Aurelia carved him apart, and then flee lest she be next to be spitted on the angel's blade. I'll have her in my garden someday, I swear it. She clenched her fists, knowing how pitiful that sounded. Zedek was right all along. I never should have let him unlock my memories. Her time on Ixalan had dulled her purpose, made her soft. I would have been better off if I'd never remembered meeting Jace. Or, or any of it. Bullis still had his claws around her throat, so what did it matter? At least if I'd forgotten all of it, I might have had a chance of being happy in his service. She stood alone, breathing hard, her tendrils waving in agitation. She wanted to hit something, hurt someone, to feel the heat behind her eyes and the softness of flesh hardening into stone. She wanted... Zedek. Jace. Roska leaned against one of the pillars, turning away from the hateful throne. Someone who understands. But there was no one left. A scrape of claws on stone announced a visitor. Vraska looked up, lips stretching to bare her needle-sharp teeth. Mazarek entered, four legs waving in brief obeisance. You wish to see me, my queen? When I wished to see you was by my side, at the battle. Vraska pushed herself away from the pillar. Strangely, that was when I found you absent. I regret that I was forced to leave you. I was set on by a pack of Urshav Thrulls, and it took a few moments to destroy them. The tides of battle are difficult to navigate, even for me. Indeed. Vraska felt power building in her eyes unbidden. It would be so much easier to just mount him in my garden. She blinked it away and shook her head. He's still too useful. Mazarek, apparently unaware how close he had come to destruction, did his little half-bow again. Was there anything else you needed of me, my queen? No. Get out of my sight. The dark green crawl withdrew. Vraska stalked across the empty throne room, one hand on her saber, and threw herself restlessly onto the twisted throne. When someone rapped at one of the doors, she nearly screamed in frustration. What? A guest. Hoping for a moment of your time. A man's voice, and not one she recognized. Only a few people would dare to disturb her in her sanctum. Mazarek, Zedek, Storev. And... Come in then. I can't stop you. The puppet Bolas had sent this time was a young woman in the tattered remains of a Boros Legion uniform. She was caked with mud and slime, and a long cut across her cheek had already gone foul in the ever-damp heat of the Undercity, swollen red and dripping pus. Two erstwhile escorted her, moving with their stiffly formal gait in their ancient finery. Showing off. The erstwhile where the knife Bolas held to her throat, a knife she'd placed there with her own hands. Are you here to chastise me? Vraska lounged on the throne with an affected casualness. 
Lecture me like a disappointed schoolmaster. What would be the point? Bolus's puppet stepped forward. At an unseen command, the zombie escorts turned and walked out. It's obvious you did your best. Your best was simply not good enough. Somehow that stung more than she'd expected. The Golgari can't stand alone against an alliance of half the other guilds. I would have thought someone of your intelligence could have figured that out. I am only a shadow of my master, delivering his instructions. If you want me to attack that machine they're building, you can tell your master that it can't be done. Her spies had been observing the work and the defenses going up around it. Rao's people have been putting in minefields and flame turrets and who knows what else. And the Azorius law mages have surrounded the site with so many wards that a herd of trolls couldn't dent them. Whatever it is they're making, it's here to stay. I'm not sending more of my people to their deaths. An attack on the Resonator is not required. Bolus's puppet smiled slightly. I have assigned that task to a more competent agent. For you, my master has reserved the job of disrupting Zarek's backup plan. What backup plan? There is a tower on the surface that contains a very clever machine. When Zarek's scheme fails, and it will fail, he will realize he has lost and reach for his final throw of the dice. You will be there to stop him. My master requires all possible contingencies be accounted for, even remote ones. You will send your forces to block him. No. Vraska got up abruptly and stalked across the throne room. No? The puppet quirked an eyebrow, the expression out of place on her filthy, blood-stained face. Need I remind you of the consequences of betrayal again, Vraska? I won't send my forces. I'm done spending Golgari lives for you. Vraska stood opposite the puppet and bared her teeth. I'll go myself and kill Zarek. I trust that will be sufficient. It will. The puppet leaned closer. It smelled of rot. But failure is not an option. Not for you. Ral Zarek may have mercy on you, but Bolus will have none. When he is victorious, and he will be victorious. He will deal with you as your service to him deserves. I understand. Are you done making threats? For now. And I am finished with this shell. Dispose of it, will you? The Boros woman blinked, and her eyes focused on Vraska and went very wide. She screamed until Vraska grabbed her by the throat, focused her power, and let it pulse through her eyes. When she let the statue of the terrified soldier slip through her fingers, it shattered into a hundred pieces on the floor. Vraska kept her armory in a small room adjoining her personal chambers. Over the years, she'd accumulated quite a bit of armor and weaponry, and once she'd taken control of the Golgari, she'd moved her various stashes from their hidey holes to the palace. 
It was as much a repository of her memories as anything else. There were suits of armor, each from a different time in her life. The tight blacks of a rooftop assassin, more elaborate suits of scale mail she'd worn to impress, the costume she'd returned to Ravnica in from her life in Ixalan. There were sabers in a long rack, from the plain weapon she'd carried in her early days through jeweled showpieces given to her as gifts on her ascension to queen. She ran her fingers along the steel blades, lost in thought. Finally, she stopped in front of one sword, its edge serrated like a shark's tooth, a brutal punching spike built into the hilt. It was an ugly weapon, viciously functional, designed to inflict maximum pain on an opponent. Perfect. Queen. Storel glided into the room, her voice a thready whisper. You summoned me? I have been thinking about you and the other erstwhile. You are bound to obey Masaryk, are you not? Storev inclined her head. He raised us from our tombs, my queen. But he has given us instructions to obey you as well. Masaryk, who'd vanished at the critical moment. He spoke to her with such unweaning arrogance. Vraska felt her suspicion harden into certainty. Are you required to tell him everything you do? Only if he specifically asks, my queen. Do you have a task for me? I do. Vraska slipped the shark's tooth sword into her sheath. I may be absent for some time. In the meanwhile, I would like you to deliver this note. She handed a sheet of spongy fungus paper to the lich, who read it carefully. I trust you can figure out the rest. Storev was always expressionless, but Vraska could have sworn that the ghost of a smile crossed her face. She gave a formally correct bow. Of course, my queen. Your will be done. The lich glided out. Vraska looked across the suits of armor, shed her formal robe, and began donning the simplest leather and scale from her days as an assassin. I'm, I'm done, done being blackmailed, blackmailed one way or the other. As she tightened the straps, she found a certain peace coming to her. Kill Zarek and let the rest take care of itself. That's all I have left. Sorry, Chase. Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Podcasts, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. The Gathering Storm was written by Django Wexler. The podcast was produced and edited by Gendo Keshi, with sound editing by Noxshade. This week's story featured the voice talents of Mycroftian, Eli Lewis, Regula, Maxi Bridgewood, R3R4LJ, Ash Thurman, and DQJ. Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright, Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening, and y'all have a great day. <laughs>